Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Good evening. Good evening. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Missionaries for Christ. Word of Faith Church, and tonight is our Bible study night, and we're studying out of the book um, by Dr. Miles Monroe, The Purpose and Power of God's Glory in You. Let us begin with the word of prayer. O Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Father, we come this evening to give you thanks and praise. Thank you, O God, for this chance, this opportunity to study your word. Now, Lord, we ask you that you would speak to our hearts. Make clear, O God, what it is you want us to know, that we may be doers of your word and not hearers alone. In the master's name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Amen. As we are wrapping up the first chapter of Dr. Miles Monroe's book, I pray that you guys have enjoyed thus far uh, what we are learning about God's glory. We talked about the four principles of God's glory, um, the principles that uh, one being um, God created everything with glory, meaning that everything that he created has a glory, a purpose, and that purpose is to bring glory to him in some form. Um, if you remember earlier in the book, we talked a few times about fish and about birds and their ability to bring God glory but they're only able to bring him glory when they're in the right environment. If you take a fish out of water, he no longer is able to bring glory to God because he's no longer in the right environment to do so. Um, You take a bird out of the air and put him in the cage, you have the same problem. And so when I look at man, I, I believe that we have the same problem when we don't, when we don't allow ourselves to be in the right environment. It's complicated to bring God glory. And that right environment um, helps to, that right environment is created. When we um, set up time and set aside time to get into a place of worship and fellowship and communion with the Father, when we have that, when we establish that, then we are setting the environment for ourselves to be able to uh, demonstrate God's glory uh, back to him. Um, We understand that man is God's masterpiece. When he created man, he did not haphazardly do it. He did it. He took his time to make sure that man was created and fashioned in the manner that he so desired for man to be fashioned in. The first principle was God created everything to have glory. Um, the second principle was God created everything to manifest its glory. When it talks about manifesting its glory, it is um, God's original design that every creature, or you're scared, every creature uh, by becoming 
because God's original design, that every creature and everything that was created would manifest its own unique glory. And by doing so, it reveals God's glory. Um, If we look at Genesis 1 and 11, it says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. It was so. So for trees to bear uh, fruit that had seeds in it so that they can reproduce, that process is a demonstration of God's glory for a tree. Um, Anything that does not bear fruit, and we remember I think I mentioned this um, either this Sunday or the Sunday before. If we don't bear fruit, God is not pleased. We're worthless. You think about the parable of the fig tree. When the fig tree didn't bear fruit, Jesus cursed the fig tree. Um, if you look at Genesis 1, 14 and 15, it says, And God said, Let there be light in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and, to, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons, days, and years. And let the light be in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, and it was so. So everything he created, he created to have its own glory and its own unique glory. Um, Man can't be a fish, and a fish can't be a man. You know, um, apple seed can't be an orange seed, and and a banana seed can't be a banana. I mean, a banana seed can't be an apple seed. So every seed has, everything that God created has its own form of glory. When they talk about the light and the darkness in the sky, they have their own glory when they shine at the time and in the right environment that God created them to be in. Last verse is Genesis 1 and 20. It says, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So, The water and the living creatures were uh, placed together. They teamed up. They got in the the same place so that the creatures that lived in water could bring God glory by being in the water. And the water could bring God glory by being water, okay? Um, Everything that he created, he created to have its own unique glory, including us, human beings, man. He created us to have our own unique glory. His third principle says, God is pleased when glory is seen. God is happy. That, that makes him happy. Um, just like a parent, when your child comes home and has a good report card or has a good report from school, that makes a parent happy. Well, it makes our father happy when his glory is revealed through us, when his glory is seen by others through us, when his glory is manifested through man, when his glory is manifested through everything that he created, he is um, pleased with it. But I just want to believe in my heart because he took such delicate care in the way that he created man and the way that he fashioned and designed man that he would be extremely happy when man, um, when the glory of God is demonstrated through man. I just believe that because we are his masterpiece. He made us in his likeness and his image. He didn't do it by happenstance. That was on purpose. It was not an accident. It was intended that we would bring him glory. So in order for us to bring him glory, he created us in such a manner that we would bring him glory. Amen?
And our fourth um, principle for chapter one is um, God created man as the ultimate exposure of his glory. God's purpose in creating the human race was so that uh, we could live in fellowship with him. If you remember, going back to the beginning, Adam and Eve were in the garden, and God was also there. And they were able to be free, to walk around free and uh, happy and eat whatever they wanted to eat in the presence of God. Um, Adam's job was to work the land. And as he worked the land in the garden, his work brought God glory, and God was pleased with that. Um, ultimately, um, God rules in the heaven and the manifest and manifests His glory by fully displaying our own. If we, the lower rank of creatures, were designed to display God's glory, then how much more were we? How much more? Um, were we who represent the highest order of creation and the greatest masterpiece of God's artistry, if we think God has, as an artist, then man is his masterpiece. So your masterpiece is always your best-looking piece. That is your top of the line. That is your number one. So if we're God's number one, then why we should always demonstrate his glory. We should always allow his glory to be demonstrated or seen by man or and representing God. Amen. 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 Um when God created man, um he set out to create him. He had a purpose for man and he created him as a unique creature, as a unique individual. And even if you look across the earth, you'll find no two people that are exactly alike. He made each and every one of us a unique masterpiece. Um, As he made man, he made him uh, his likeness and his image to resemble his uh, balance or his representation. It's important for us to understand how valuable we are. And so, so often when we, um, as we matriculate through the earth, through the world, and through different um, societies, different groups that we are affiliated with, sometimes others within the human race will make, try to make us feel less than. But I need us to remember from the scriptures what God has said about man. He loved us so much that he created us in his likeness and his image. We are called his masterpiece. We are important to him. And so when we begin to understand how important we are to God and how much God loved us as he created us, then we begin to value ourselves more. We begin to be more considerate of what it is God has called us to do. Um, Nothing is more important than God's glory, than the glory of God, I should say. Nothing is more important than the glory of God in everything in creation, plants and animals and birds and fish and ocean, everything in creation, everything that God created um, in his create, creative setting 
um, God created them to display and to manifest his glory. Everything displays and manifests his glory. Um, we talk about, we think about um, manifesting God's glory. A lot of times we want to equate it to or relate it to worship. And we can fulfill our purpose as carriers and exposure of exposers of God's glory only when we live in the right environment and we maintain the right relationship. What is the right relationship? It's your relationship with the Father. How do you have how do you get that relationship? Spending time with the Father, spending time with his word, spending time in prayer. That helps to build your relationship with the Father. And the more you work on building that relationship, the easier it is to demonstrate his glory. Because when you're in your private time, when you're in your uh, uh, environment of, of worship with God, you are allowing him to be a speak to you. And the more he speaks to you, the more you begin to look like and act the way he wants you to act, the more you begin to demonstrate his glory throughout the earth. I look at how, um, as a little kid growing up, we always wanted to wear mama's high heel shoes. You always want to dress like mama. You always want to wear what it is that mama has. You always want to have the things that mama has. So when mama's not around, the things that you do, you imitate her. You try to wear her shoes. You may try to wear her jewelry. Um, mama never even wore wigs sometimes. So you may put on her wig and be walking around the house playing, thinking, acting like her because you want to be in the image of her by wearing the things that she wore. So by the same token, as believers, as children of God, when we spend time in his presence, when we spend time in his word, when we spend time building our relationship with him, after a while we start acting like him. We start thinking and behaving like him. Um, It's impossible for you to be in the company of a person um, too long and you don't, after a while you don't start acting like him. You don't start thinking like them because what happens is the characteristics begin to rub off. So what better characteristics to have than have the characteristics of our Father, our Heavenly Father. And as we're uh, putting on all these characteristics that are exactly like him, we're eventually going to begin to bring him glory in our actions because we're going to do what we're purposed on earth to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. any questions or thoughts before I move on? No. Okay. Um, talking about the right environment, um, sometimes uh, the right environment may be um, misled to believe that the only right environment um, for the glory of God to be revealed is in a worship experience. And you're right, it has to be, it should be in a worship experience. But as it is in that worship experience, that worship experience does not have to take place in the church. You can have a worship experience in your home. You can have a worship experience in your car. Uh, if you think about Paul and Silas, they were locked in jail. Guess what they had? They had a worship experience. They began to sing songs, sing hymns, and pray prayers. And after a while, the glory of the Lord came and entered into that place, and the, the um, chains and the locks fell off, and they became free men. So you can worship any place, and, and out of your worship, you're displaying God's glory. Um, worship is not something that we go to on Sunday, but worship is a state that we could remain in 
um, at all times, and it's um, all times that perfect worship is living continually in the presence of God, um, not allowing our minds and our hearts to be so contaminated with the things of this world. Now, it does not mean that we're not going to be a part of the world. Um, the Bible tells us to be ye, uh, be not conformed, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your heart. So knowing that we have to live in this world as human beings because this is where we live, but by the same token, we don't have to digest. We don't have to uh, take in and draw in on everything that the world is dishing out. As believers, even in what some may consider the worst condition, we can be in worship. Okay, it doesn't have to be loud. It don't have to be um, all drawn out. It don't have to be so other people can see. When you're worship, it's intimate. That's time between you and the Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. One of the things that have occurred over the years that have um, hindered or interfered with man's relationship with God is sin. Um, the, the author says that sin marred both the environment and the relationship. Um, with sin, man failed to realize his glory, um, and thus he distorted the image of God. Sin is such a thing that it will really get you off your square. It will have you confused about what it is God has set out or called for you to do. Uh, One thing about sin, though, as believers, and because we know what the word of God says, that we can always repent and get back in right relationship with the Father. That's something, that's an offer that we have. That's something that we have now um, at our disposal. But in the beginning, I didn't even even need that. They didn't need the word because they were walking with the word. They didn't need uh, repentance because they they didn't have no reason to repent because their lives were full of God's glory. They didn't need uh, to fast and and spend a lot, lot of time fasting um, for the Holy Ghost because they were in the presence of God already. They were already in the perfect place. And when, when God told them to be fruitful and multiply, his instruction to them as to be fruitful and multiply was not to just replenish the earth with um, more human beings, but to also replenish the, the, the setting or the environment that Eden brought about. Eden brought about a place of peace, a place of holiness. Eden represented God being in a uh, uh, in this particular place, and he wanted that representation not just in this place of Eden where it was, but he wanted to spread it throughout the land so that his glory would fill the earth. Amen? Yeah. As we come down to the, the um, final part of Chapter 1, um, there were 10 principles that were shared about Um, the power, the purpose of God's glory in man. Number one, first principle says this, glory resides in everything that's created. Everything that's created, glory resides in it. Number two says that the glory of God is the full nature of God on display. Just like our children, when they go out, they uh, represent us. We are representation of God and his glory, you know. And so whatever we're putting out there, we can, we can make it a, where people are drawn to God or we can make it where people run away from God. 
Because as the God you serve, behave and act and think like that, is not loving, is not kind, then I don't know if I want that God. So we have to realize that we are a representation of God in the earth. Um, God created everything with glory. God created everything to manifest its glory. God is pleased when his glory is seen. Is there anybody that just want to please God with their life? If you really consider pleasing God with, with your life, then you want to demonstrate his glory. Um, God, is, God created us to expose his glory. Number seven, the glory of man is to be like God and rule like God in fellowship and harmony with God. So we want to be like God, we want to rule like God, and we want to be in fellowship and harmony with God. Number eight, our creation displays God's glory, but only man was made in his image. So the birds bring him glory, the fish bring him glory, even the giraffe brings him glory, but only man can bring him glory, and when we look at him, we look like him because we're made in his image. Um, Nothing is more important than God's glory. And number 10, perfect worship is living continually in the presence of God and enjoying continual fellowship with God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Any thoughts before we move on? Any ideas, anything anybody would like to share? Okay, I guess silence means no. Amen. Um, Chapter 2 is talking about the environment, and I've already mentioned that a few times, that things have to be in the right environment um, to bring God glory. Every living thing needs its proper environment. Um, to display God's glory. Ooh, you scared me again. If you, uh, if again, as I stated earlier, if you take a fish out of water, he cannot display God's glory because he is not uh, created to be out of water. If you put a bird in a cage, he cannot display God's glory because he's not designed to live in a cage. He's designed to fly freely. If you get man out of the place of a good worship experience, we cannot display God's glory. So it's important for us as we command our morning, um, like we talked about in our previous lessons, if we learn to command our morning, we're preparing our hearts and our minds to be able to remain in his glory for the entire day because we, whatever we start with, we can finish with. And as we're praying and, and preparing, we're already preparing setting a uh, fertilizer in our heart so that it will be conducive to just grow good seed. Um, and that's important for us because this is one of the things that man was created for, and that was to bring God glory. In the proper environment, we can display his glory, and he can be happy. We know, Remember earlier it said that it pleases him when his glory is displayed. So when we display his glory, he is well pleased with us. Um, We thrive best in the environment that was designed for us. Have you ever been in an environment and you knew that that was not the proper environment for you to be in or it was an uncomfortable environment for you? You could not just seem, you couldn't seem to get right. 
because something about it was unsettling, and you, you will find out, may even find out later or, or before you remove yourself from that environment that it's just not a conducive environment for you to be who God has called you to be. Um, it, it makes you uncomfortable. It gets you on edge. And often when we're in those predicaments, we're not really thinking about the Lord. Um, God is... Uh, right, that's the wrong thing I want to say. So we, we have to um, make certain that we try to be in the proper or good environment. And we have to create that environment for ourselves. Okay, we have to create it. We have to deliberately, on on purpose, intentionally create an environment where we can demonstrate God's glory, where we can demonstrate his love, where we can demonstrate um, all that he desires from us so that we can be the living epistles in the earth that others will want to come to know him because of the life that we lead. Um, they see us bringing him glory. Um when they see it, they want, people want it, you know. But most of our people are like Missouri, the show me state. You show me, and I, I may even go for it. But you can't show it to me, then I don't want no parts of it. And a lot of times the showing them is just being able to demonstrate his glory in our daily lives, in our everyday life. Um, after God created man, his image, um, and we got to the point where the sin separated, then um, God's greatest creation needed something more, okay? So when sin came in, sin, um, as the saying say, it takes you further than you want to go and keeps you longer than you want to be. And when I thought, when I read this portion that I'm about to talk about now, I thought about how um, when people start using drugs and stuff, that, that first high that you get when you use drugs, uh, what makes you keep going back is that you're constantly chasing that first feeling. Because after that, any other time you take it, you don't get that feeling again. And so um, I want to say that that's kind of how we are as human beings. When we, we lost that connection with God, we've been searching for it ever since. When Adam uh, sinned in the garden, it, it disconnected us from God. It disconnected us from being immediately in his presence. Now, remember, as they walked around in the garden eating all day long, all night long, they were in the presence of God. And everything that they did brought glory to God. There was no need for, for coverings. There was no need for a lot of things that we have to have today simply because they were in the presence of God. God was pleased and he was getting the glory that he desired. But when sin entered in, it put some shingles on our eyes. It put us to the point where we could not see um, uh, what, how God wanted us to go, our minds became confused, and then God had to find something else for man to do. He had to, he had to find another way for man to survive. Um, it says uh, God's greatest creation needed something more, a moderate climate, this is what we needed, plenty of fruits and herbs and vegetables to eat, was not enough for the beings that God made in his image. In order for us to function properly and fully display God's glory, Adam and Eve needed an environment where they would be surrounded by the presence of God, a place where they could be in continual union with God. And God provided such a place. Okay? 
when we talk about the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden simply means soft or pleasant. Soft or pleasant. And when I think about Eden, I think about a soft flowers and grass. Have you ever walked on some really soft green grass? That's what uh, comes to mind. That's the image that I have about um, Eden. God prepared the perfect environment for his man. And sin ultimately took us out of that perfect environment. Um, any questions before I move on? No. All right. No. So filling the, filling the earth with God's glory, God's original purpose extended beyond the garden. Again, I think I said this already. He wanted man to be fruitful and to multiply. He didn't want man to just have more men in the earth. He didn't want them to just have more children. But he wanted the Garden of Eden to be replicated throughout the earth. He wanted everywhere you go that the whole earth would bring him glory, like everything. Could you imagine how that would have been? All of us born, and all we know is how to bring God glory, and that's all we would do. That's us living without sin in the world. All we would do is give God glory. That would be amazing. Our intellect, our thoughts, and everything would be totally different if that's all we we would we did uh, was to bring God glory through our lives. That would be an amazing life to lead. However, that's not necessarily how things turned out, but that was God's original intent. Um, fruitful, fruitfulness, and if you notice that the word fruitful. It's repeated a lot throughout the Bible because um, that's one of the things that God really um, desired, everything to be fruitful. So everything he made, he made it where it would reproduce itself. And so being fruitful was important to God. Um, Not just, again, not just fruitful in the natural uh, way of reproducing your own kind, but fruitful in the earth. I talked about the, the sleep church um, the other week. And when we as a church are not being fruitful, then God is not pleased with us. So now we start talking about fruitfulness in Genesis because this particular, these part of the lesson is coming from Genesis. And then when I talked about um, the church at Sardis, um, the fruitfulness, it comes up again in Revelation. So from Genesis to Revelation, God is concerned with us being fruitful at every point. Now, again, not necessarily bringing forth another humankind, but bringing forth more people into the kingdom, bringing forth more uh, uh, souls into the kingdom, uh, more changed hearts and changed minds and people who want to bring God glory through their life. It is our responsibility to help uh, maneuver them, to help propel them to the place where God wants them to be. Um, and unfortunately, I, I'm just, and this is just, this is not just missionary to Christ, but I think the body is kind of failing at what it is God has called us to do. Because not only uh, people are asleep everywhere, and so it's time for us to wake up and get on about our dues and get done what God has called us to do. So let's talk about the being in God. Talk about God's glory and being in God's presence. Uh, those are two uniquely two different things 
a lot of times I think uh, we say things in church so often, and sometimes the, the clarity of these words kind of gets confused. There's a difference between um, being in the presence of God and the glory of God. Um, often the two are equated as one, but they're not. They're actually quite different. The presence of God is the active manifestation that fills the environment in the creation in which the creation exists and lives. So when we start praising worship on Sunday mornings, when we start worship service on Sunday morning, we as believers are coming together to set an atmosphere that is conducive for God and the Holy Spirit to come and reside in the place where we are. Um, Pastor has that song that says, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. I mean, that's an open invitation. And so it's not just a process that you go through, uh, a ritual that you do and you sing these songs, but it should be a heart matter that as we're doing praise and worship and we're inviting the Holy Spirit in, as we are setting the atmosphere conducive for God to come in and to receive the glory that is due him, for him to be able to rest in the environment that we're in, it, we should be trying to make it certain that it comes from our heart. Now, this, this is a task, and it's not a task just for the praise and worship team. This is a, a congregational task because when the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to, to move, when God's presence is there in the room with us, everybody can benefit. Um, when the healing comes through, everybody can be healed that's sick. When deliverance comes through, everybody can be healed that needs deliverance. Amen. When prosperity comes through, everybody that's in the presence can receive the prosperity. But if we don't prepare it, if we don't set up and create an atmosphere for God to reign, for God to come in, and for God to be able to set up camp, then we can't be disappointed if we don't necessarily get what we get something from him. You know? You come to the altar on Sunday, you bring your problems, you bring your situation. You come to church on Sunday, you come and you bring your burdens, and you want God to, to give you ease and to give you peace, but you don't really invite him in. Um, reminded of the story of Mary and Mary and Martha. You know, one of them was so busy cleaning the house, trying to make the house perfect for Jesus, and the other one was just sitting there at his feet listening to him, honoring him. He bringing him glory by just being right where he was and allowing him to be where she was. You know, and ultimately when we read the story, we see who he was pleased with. He was pleased with the one that was willing to put everything aside, not even consider or think about all that other stuff that she wanted done and just sit here and bask in my glory, just sit here and have conversations with me and honor me and reverence me as your God. Amen? Amen. So we talked about being in his um, presence, being in his presence, and we said that's the active manifestation of God um, that fills the environment. Um, And then his glory The glory of God, on the other hand, is the attribute, the character of God on display. 
So when we um, demonstrate God's characters, God's attributes, uh, we are allowing his glory to be on display for others. If you go back and you remember, we talked about he likes to, uh, he is pleased when his glory is seen. So when we are allowing him, his, allowing his attributes and his character to be displayed through our lives, we're allowing his glory to be seen, which then in turn brings him happiness, brings him joy. Just like when we see our kids do the right thing, just like when we see um, things going the right way. Brings about a happiness. It brings about a joy, and it's the same premise when we are allowing God's character to be to be displayed through our lives. God's glory shows us what He is like. Um, thinking about Moses, when Moses went to Mount Sinai and he had the tablets uh, containing the Ten Commandments, the Scripture says that the face that his face was radiant. And because he had seen the presence of God, there is a lingering glow of divine glory on his face, something so tangible and visible that Moses donned to veil, donned a veil to hide it. When we've been in the presence of God, you don't even look the same. When you've allowed his glory to flow, you don't even look the same. Moses did not look the same as he did before he went up to the mountain, simply because he had been in the presence of God. When you're in the presence of God, your your whole demeanor should change. You know, whatever was ailing you, aching you, angering you, disturbing you, uh, it should change when you go into the presence of God, simply because God is a healer. God is a uh, uh, one that has, can handle all things. And when you get into his glory, all the other stuff, you push it to the side. You turn it over to him and let him have it. But if we don't turn it over to him and release it, if we just hold on to it, then we don't get an opportunity to really get ourselves in a good place where we can really enjoy the glory of God. In the garden, of Eden, both, the, both the presence and the glory of God surrounded and defined the lives of the human couple so much so that they didn't even have to wear clothes. That's according to the author. <laughs> they didn't wear clothes, but the, what the author is saying that the glory was so great, it wasn't necessary. But the nakedness was not even a visible thing. Plus, sin had not entered, so they didn't even know they were naked. Um, it's just like um, I remember some years ago watching a, a show of a family that were nudist, and they didn't wear clothes around their house, and they were okay with it. And as their children were born, they, they trained the children in the same manner, and everybody was okay with it. Well, if this is something that you grew up with, this is something you've been seeing all your life, it doesn't look strange to you. Okay? It's normal. And so same with Adam and Eve. They're, they're being, in the glory, being in the presence of God and experiencing his glory was normal for them. That was normal everyday life. Um, it wasn't until sin entered where things had to change on their behalf. They never had to go to worship service because they worship and they fellowship with God continually, wherever they were at any time. Um, the environment that, of Eden, where Adam and Eve enjoyed their relationship with God, was equipped with everything they needed to fulfill God's purpose. Um, God equips us really to fulfill his purpose. 
a lot of times when, especially if he gives us something um, that seems a little more than we as human beings can handle, um, I'm, I'm just led to believe that if God gave it to you, he gave it to you in a manner that you can handle it. You know, I don't think he would give you something that you cannot handle. Um, because that's the kind of God that we serve. He's, he's so um, loving and he's so kind and he's so patient that even when we mess up, he continues to be the loving God that he is. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's how I can get Genesis, the third chapter. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals of the Lord Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did not say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Did you read verse 7? Oh, you said to 7? Yes. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They realized that they were naked. So they pulled big leaves together and made covers for themselves. Okay. So this is where the trouble come in. It's sin. Um, when the, the serpent beguiled Eve, when he tricked Eve, when he fooled her and told her that, you know, everything was going to be okay, they just want, God just don't want you to be as smart as he is. Now, I mean, Think about it. God being the loving God that he is, um, I don't think he will hold anything back from us unless it's something that is going to harm us. Um, one of the significant characteristics of the Eden environment was freedom. Adam and Eve was free to go anywhere they want to go in the garden. They were free to eat of every tree except for the one tree in the garden. And Freedom was just what it was. It was just freedom. They didn't have to stress and or worry about anything because they were free. Adam and Eve were created as self-determining and responsible moral beings. So they were already, they were created responsible. They were created having morals. They were created as um, self-determining individuals. These are not things that had to be developed in them. They were already there. they were to choose, they were free to choose whether they would walk in the liberty, where liberty simply means freedom, of the bright path of submission and obedience to God or tread on the dead end trail of this obedience and rebellion. This freedom to choose was conscious and it was ongoing. Um, and it's what made humans it, it is what made them humans instead of robots because they were able to distinguish uh, their right and wrong and what it is they wanted. 
They could make decisions. They could choose. Um, and that was that's important. Um, sometimes I think people try to call people and make everybody be like somebody else. But God made us all unique individuals. We are individualized. We are not the same. And so since we are not the same, God is not expecting the same out of us. He wants uh, a similar result. He wants us all to worship and to bring him glory. But he's not looking for all of us to do it the exact same way because he didn't make us all the exact same way. Um, true freedom always um, comes with limits of obedience. Obedience. And that's one of the, I think, one of the toughest things that for mankind today is to tolerate and endure obedience. We want to be free and do whatever we want to do, but we don't want to obey. We don't want to follow no rules. We don't want to follow no regulations. We just want to do what we want to do. Uh, I had to tell one of my kids that this today. We just want to do what we want to do. We just think like the life is all nilly-willy. I just do what I want to do. I say what I want to say. I go where I want to go. I do what I want to do. And what I don't, what I want to do is sit in your class and not do no work. And I said, you're in the wrong class, son, because that's not how it operates in here. Um, we've, I think even with our children, this new generation of children, we've developed that type of thinking within them. I don't know if we developed it or they were born with it, where they just, my way or no way. Um, I want to have it my way. And with that idea and with that challenge, that brings about a lot of disobedience because you don't want to do what, what is morally right. You, want, you don't want to follow the rules or the guidelines that have been established for you. Um, God never even entered, I'm sorry, um, in the garden. Obedience to God never entered the minds of Adam and Eve. They didn't even have to think about that. Like, am I going to obey or am I not? They did, that was something they did not have to consider. That was something they did not have to think about. It wasn't until the day that the enemy, that the serpent came and beguiled Eve, that they had to then now think about right and wrong, disobedience and obedience. Um, who, who am I following? Am I going to follow God? Am I going to follow something else? That's when all of this happened. The eating of the fruit. The beginning of Eve through the serpent. And those are the things that have caused us to be in a place where we don't, we don't necessarily give God the glory that he deserves. Because we don't realize we need, to, we need to display his glory as much as we possibly can in our lives daily. You know, and it's a lifestyle. It's not something that you just pick up, oh, okay, you know, it's 9 o'clock. I'm going to go and have prayer and worship the Lord. Oh, it's just, oh, maybe I do. Oh, I get to it later. It is a lifestyle that we should lead where we are consistently bringing him glory, where we are consistently demonstrating his glory and his honor so that others can see through our love, through our compassion, through our mercy, mercy that we're sharing with others. Just like God gives these things to us, we as believers should share those same things back with others. Amen? Amen. Amen. Any questions or thoughts? Um, no, I just thought about uh, we just talked about Sunday. Uh, the choices. Uh, it's, it's all about what we choose. Um, because if we think about it, every day we choose to do something. We choose to how we gonna respond to people. How we gonna interact with people. How we gonna 
you know, go about our daily living. And in that choosing, we're making a choice whether we're going to respond um, to situations or, you know, live accordingly uh, to, to the way God tells us to live. Um, and all the time, um, it's, it's not a easy choice. I used to say it all the time, it's like, that it was easy, but I, I realized that it's not an easy choice because you have so much, um, so many things that play into your choices or, or you know, why you choose stuff, whether it's your, the way you were raised, you know, your life experience, stuff that you, you know, encounter with people, whatever, you know, something helps us to decide. Uh, so now um, that we learn it, our choices can be made simple if we just revert it back to what we know God and how we know God is telling us to do something or, you know, the way he's telling us to be. Um, uh, so I, I think it's just a choice. You know, we make a choice or we don't. Amen. Amen. And that's Amen. it. We have to make choices. And and what helps us, one of the things that helps us to make choices are, um, as we condition ourselves, I think I talked about this earlier, as we condition ourselves to be more like Christ. And how do I condition myself mm-hmm. to be more like Christ? It's through my fellowship. It's through my study. It's through my time that I'm reading. Mm-hmm. It's through my time that I'm praying. When I'm in fellowship with him, when I am in communion with him, when I'm building that relationship with him, as well, I start emulating him. And, I mean, and it's so funny because as human beings, we imitate people all the time. Some people we imitate, we don't even know. You know what I'm saying? But then the people that we live with and the people that we are around, we imitate them. Um, I often say as a special education teacher, so often uh, we, we tend to pick up characteristics of our kids. You know, because we're in that environment on a regular basis. We start after a while those behaviors be so consistent in our lives that eventually you start trying to pick up and be like, hold on, that's not what I want to do. You know what I'm saying? You have to constantly um, keep yourself from doing something. So as believers, as we, as we build our relationship with the Father, as we spend time with him, we spend time in his word, studying his word, after a while we begin to naturally behave like him. You know, mm-hmm. it, it becomes second nature. We just naturally start acting like the Father. Amen? Amen. Anything else? Anybody want to share? Amen. We're going to pause right here at 758. (laughs) Um, And uh, close out our lesson for tonight. I pray that it was a blessing to you, that you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed um, the lesson. Um, if you ever get a chance, you might even want to pick the book up and spend some time reading it for yourself. It's a very good book by Dr. Miles Monroe. Also, remember that Sunday is third Sunday. Oh, it's third Sunday. When are we going out? Fourth Sunday? I'm about to Fourth Sunday. Okay. So Sunday is the third Sunday, but we do have guests coming on Sunday. So we want to be there early. So by 10 o'clock, we are all set up and prepared for worship when our guests arrive. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us close out with the word of prayer. God, we thank you and we praise you. Father, we magnify and glorify your name. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word, oh God. 
Help us, Father, to be more diligent about building our relationship with you, O oh God, that we spend more time in your word, that we spend more quiet time meditating, O oh God, and listening to your voice, O oh God, so that we may be the children that uh, represent and bring you glory in our daily lives, O oh God. Father, we ask you that you will bless our pastor, crown his head with wisdom and knowledge, empower and courage, and uplift him. Pray for Sister Teresa, O oh God, that you will um, help restore her expeditiously back to her place, O oh God, so that she um, can continue to give you all the glory and honor. In the matchless name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. 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 This Sunday is fourth Sunday. Is this Sunday fourth Sunday? That's right, the twenty second. Yeah. Oh Lord. Okay, so we're going out to eat Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, time is moving so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully right. I um well we'll talk about it. But yeah, we don't buy stuff. But okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. All you right. guys have a blessed night. You too. All right. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. You ain't put no. Good night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.